Welcome to the Every Woman Network podcast, a chance for you to engage with some fresh ideas for you and your career development. In this episode, you'll hear from Every Woman expert Des Christoffi on how to rethink the imposter phenomenon. Des Christoffi is an executive coach, leadership facilitator and consultant, inspiring her clients to fulfil their purpose and ambitions through the achievement of their executive strategy. During this webinar, we will tackle the imposter phenomenon from the ground up by helping us to understand the systems and the personal biases we may face, as well as the common triggers and types of imposter that we may encounter. Firstly, Des is going to define for us, what is the imposter phenomenon? I found this description, which for me represents a number of things that I want to draw to your attention, that it is uh, the chronic feelings of inadequacy, fraudulence and incompetence, despite objective success. And it's really hard to internalize success and generally hold the belief that you're capable and competent. So how does this play out? Well, it plays out in the I'm constantly fearing that I'm being going to be seen as a failure. I'm constantly fearing that, oh my God, I can't keep up. I can't keep up this success. Something's going to happen. A constant narrative that the success that I've achieved has not been through my contribution and my value, but it's as a result of circumstance being in the right place, right time. So the success gets anchored onto external environment, a constant comparative analysis. So taking a look at self and comparing self to others, which then you end up doing this in your head, a constant holding yourself back from setting bigger, more ambitious goals because you're too worried about potentially not getting there or not getting there first time, a real downplaying of your own accomplishments and not taking stock of what those really are. And this constant feeling that you're not going to be able to maintain the expectations that others have of you. And so there's this constant fear of how are others perceiving me? Am I matching their expectations? So if you think about all of what I've just shared, what that then creates is this internal interference that can drain energy, that can really have an impact on us physically, emotionally, impact on our well-being. It can also stop us from really thriving and enjoying the journey and the moment, as well as it being a roadblock to advancement. And I wanted to bring some crystallized messaging to the forefront in that because this, uh, this term of the imposter phenomenon, sometimes it gets labeled as the imposter syndrome, which I hate that term, because actually that would suggest that there's something wrong with the individual and we get into labeling. And so therefore, in the imposter phenomenon, it's a tendency to have rather than a type of person. It affects those who have been successful and who are and continue to be successful. The statistics are shocking that come out from behavioral science journals that 70% of people will experience the imposter phenomenon at some point in their professional life. Both men and women will experience it. I I think about a two-pronged approach because often we talk about an individual having to have strategies to manage it 
effectively. And that's what today's session is about. But I also want to bring to the forefront of our attention that we've got to put more emphasis on organizational environments to create a much more inclusive environment in which individuals can thrive. Des has explained what the imposter phenomenon is and her approach. Next, we'll discuss what triggers may be causing the imposter phenomenon for you personally. So we know through research that personality is a trigger and there are different aspects of personality that play out. There's an inward looking uh, personal orientation. There is uh, perfectionism. So if you have tendencies towards perfectionism and a tendency to be a pleaser that can play out in a personality. Then we have a trigger that could be based on marginalized or underrepresented groups. Why might that be? Well, when we are part of a marginalized or an underrepresented group or groups, what we're doing is we're looking around and we're saying we don't we don't feel we belong. And therefore, when we don't feel we belong, how can we ever really own anything that we're doing and bring that to the forefront and see that our value and contribution is part of our making and really owning that success? And so it can erode confidence when we look around us and we see in our environment that people are not representing who we are. We don't see that representation. Family life. So research has shown that families that have a lot of conflict within them, that have a lot of critiquing and very low levels of support can trigger the imposter phenomenon. But equally, family life that really is about instilling achievement and all it matters are the grades that you get and the achievement that you have and the output that you're generating, less about effort, less about learning, less about experimentation and risk-taking. We know that that can be a trigger. National cultures, so there's research that shows that individualistic cultures that focus on success and not enjoying the moment and can trigger the imposter phenomenon. And lastly, organizational culture, individual cultures that focus on achievement, but equally have a lot of internal competition can be a trigger. So we've learned what triggers are, and you can think about which may be the main triggers for you. But why are they important when addressing the imposter phenomenon? So sometimes it's not about identifying or having one trigger. Sometimes there's a multiple of triggers. But why it's important to understand triggers is because, one, it enables us to really depersonalize and make the imposter phenomenon less about us having a problem and then us creating a labeling for ourselves. I hear this all the time in people, I'm an imposter, which isn't helpful. You know, when we take a step back and understand that a lot of the triggers are context and environment, it helps us create an understanding of what's going on in the environment that might create something in me. The second thing that it's important to, you know, why it's important to understand triggers is that it helps us to identify patterns. Triggers create patterns in thinking. Triggers create pattern in feelings and in behavior. And if we're able to understand our patterns, then we're able to put in place some strategies that are personalized that can manage the effects, the knock-on effects of the imposter phenomenon. So there are different different types of the imposter phenomenon. I'm going to run through this feeling of I've got to put more in, I've got to get 
you know, a polished job to get it to a certain standard. And then when you ask the person, well, what does better look like? They can't even define it. There isn't a benchmark there. Or perfectionism can play out in really beating self up because an error has been made or something hasn't gone to plan or hasn't been quite perfect as they had in their mind, rather than taking learning from it. There's this self-sabotage. The superheroine, this feeling of inadequacy when we're trying to wear different hats. It might be I'm wearing the hat of being a parent, an achiever, a friend, a partner, and you're trying to give and be uh, be everything to all these different people and all these different settings. And you're feeling that you're not good enough and you end up really feeling that you're not being your absolute best. The expert. So the expert is about a feeling of, well, I've got to constantly be gathering more information or be developing myself because I need to be the expert in that room. And what happens when there are other people who have greater expertise than self? Actually, your whole self-worth diminishes. The soloist, the person who actually doesn't sees it as a weakness to seek help from others. And so they try to do it all themselves to problem solve, to work it out. And yet others could be helping you get there a lot quicker. And then the natural genius could be the person who has set themselves really big, ambitious goals. They not only want to achieve those ambitious goals, but they want to do it right and they want to do it quickly. And so there's this constant pressure of the speed and also making sure that when you get get there, it's a success. And so there's this constant pressure around that. So these are some ways in which the imposter phenomenon can play out. We've thought about how the imposter phenomenon may manifest itself. Next, it's time to address the different strategies we can use to cope when it shows up for us. The first is to shift your focus. What do I mean by that? Triggers will create patterns, patterns in our thinking, in what we're feeling, and what we think and feel will then drive our behavior. So a first way of breaking the pattern and shifting your thinking focus is to ask yourself, what's the evidence that you have that supports the thought that you have around the imposter phenomenon, whatever that is for you, being true? Because often when I ask this question of clients, there isn't any evidence at all. Or sometimes it's one event that has occurred in someone's whole lifetime. But really you're looking for evidence because the imposter phenomenon and and how we experience it is a lot to do with how we're interpreting ourselves, events and situations. And yet we have the power of choosing how we interpret in a way that's helping us or hindering us. And that was my second question, asking yourself, well, how I'm thinking about myself or this in this situation, how is it really helping me move forward or how is it hindering holding me back? You know, what might you want to replace that thought with? How else might you choose to think about yourself? And then lastly, what does what I'm seeing or experiencing tell you about the environment, other people, or any outside variables. So if we're sitting here and you're attributing your success to other people and chance, take a stock and think about the thing that happened, the achievement that you've had, 
right? Rather than talking about the abstract, this was successful. Talk about from the minute that you had a part to play in that to the end of your time with it, what were the parts that you contributed to? What would have happened had you not been there and contributed in that way that starts to identify your contribution. Equally, if it's other people's messaging, ask yourself, you know, what is it that's telling you about the bias that sits in other people? And what might be an issue that sits within the environment that actually there's a different way of navigating that and being less about you? So that's what I mean by starting to have a different dialogue with yourself around how you're experiencing the environment, other people around you and outside variables, which make the imposter phenomenon less about just you. The second strategy is to smash any limiting belief that you hold because beliefs, we don't wake up in the morning consciously thinking what do we hold true about ourselves, but our beliefs are either empowering or they're limiting and our beliefs will dictate what we see in ourselves and then what we're feeling and then what we're doing or not doing. So I'm going to share with you a very rational uh, methodology that gets you smashing a limiting belief that it helps you to identify, you know, a limiting belief that you hold. So is it that you hold a belief about self? Might be that, you know, you don't see your uh, self being old enough or good enough, whatever that is, whatever the messaging is that's holding you back. And then I'd like you to ask yourself, what are the consequences of holding on to this belief. So what's the consequence for you personally, for others around you, for your team, your business, your client, your stakeholders? What's the consequence? Because beliefs get acted out through our behavior. And then the D part of this formula is, how are you going to dispute that? You know, what evidence do you have that disputes that belief being true about you? Because often there isn't any evidence or sometimes it's this evidence and we're taking the whole story about us to be true. But what's what's the counter evidence that you can provide that disputes that limiting belief being true? And we replace, we create change in ourselves. We smash limiting beliefs by replacing a limiting belief with a much more energizing belief. So what might you want to hold true about yourself that's more energizing and empowering that starts with I am? Because when we frame a belief in an identity statement, we are more likely to own it and act it out. So is it that I am refreshing? Is it that I am insightful? I am curious. You know, what is the empowering belief that replaces that limiting belief? And then we create change in ourselves and possibility by taking action from an empowering, energizing belief paradigm of I am. So if my energizing, empowering belief is I'm refreshing, what actions am I going to take? And in what type of situations, the more precise that you can be, the more likely you'll live that belief out. Then when you get a result from that, that then feeds an inner confidence and it shifts your old belief paradigm. That's how we replace limiting beliefs. The, The third strategy is to embrace failure. So what do I mean by embracing failure? This fear of failure can really hold us back can really bring out, you know, it's a way in which the the imposter phenomenon can play out. And embracing failure is a way of managing the imposter phenomenon. So what do I mean? How do we manage it? Well, the first is to reject personalization of failure. What do I mean by that? Well, let's just say 
something has been a failure, something that I've put my myself to. The thing hasn't been successful and it's been a failure. Rather than taking that and saying, I'm a failure, detach it from your personal worth. Because when we attach failure to our personal worth, what can happen is it erodes an inner confidence. Just because something has been a failure, that doesn't mean to say that I am a failure. The second is reframe. We reframe by seeing an opportunity. Well, what's the opportunity that's come out by experiencing a failure? You know, what have I now got on my CV that I wouldn't have had had I not experienced that? What connections have I made? What new skills have I developed as a result of that? There's always opportunity that comes out from experiencing failure. How clearer am I about how I'm defining success and what really matters to me? What new information do I have about me? And there is an opportunity to redirect. So where could you be embracing failure, rejecting personalization and attaching it to self-worth, reframing and seeing the opportunity that comes from it and the learning? And thirdly, redirecting yourself so that you can make your your pathway to where you're going next based on the learning from that. Strategy four is to acknowledge and embrace success. We don't spend enough time really doing this. So I want to ask you to really think about these questions and how much time do you spend taking stock and acknowledging and embracing your success? What are you most proud of in your personal and professional life? If your younger self could see your life right now, what would they be proud of? Zoom out into the future. What are your top three achievements in your personal and professional life? Sometimes we get fixated about professional life. And what do they importantly tell us or tell you about your strengths and your qualities? Sometimes we focus on the achievement. We don't focus on our inputs. And then what have you done that makes you feel capable? And then lastly, you know, be the agent of your own feedback. Ask for feedback that you would value. Redirect others if you're not getting what you need. So if others are giving you developmental feedback and you're thinking, do you know what? I need some acknowledgement. Redirect the conversation. What I'd really value from you right now is knowing where I've added value, how I've added value. Remind yourself that feedback doesn't define you. You know, other people can hold a narrative about us, but don't make that be about us in totality. You can choose which bits of feedback that you want to take on board and do something about on which you don't. But other people's perceptions of us don't shape who we are. They inform based on us deciding or whether they're informing us in the right direction of travel. And that's where I want to leave you with. You have choice. And remember that no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Now, often we are the ones in control. We sometimes find ourselves feeling a certain way by other people's messaging. But the power only sits with the other person if we give the power away. So who might you be giving your power away to? That was Des Christoffi on how to approach the imposter phenomenon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Every Woman Network podcast. Do listen to our other podcasts and continue your career journey on the Every Woman Network by logging into your personal dashboard at www.everywoman.com. Thank you for listening.